going to begin reading Isaiah chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible or a phone, or if you want to just sit there, it should appear on the screen. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices and doorposts, the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. When it touched my mouth, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I wonder when you think back to this past week, how much of the week would you say you've spent really focused on God? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. There might be some people who would say confidently at least a couple of hours every day, focused on God. Or for others of us, maybe we'd say 30 minutes, maybe prompted by the text at 7.30, I don't know. Or perhaps when you think back through the past seven days, you're kind of hard-pressed to really nail it and say, yes, I've focused on God this week. Because life can be hard, can't it? You know, there's so much going on in our lives, and we want to focus on God, yet the reality of everyday life, maybe it's just mine. It's not just mine, is it? It's just like, there's so much stuff. And when I stop, I kind of think that the truth is, a lot of what gets my attention, it is quite mundane. I'm a, I'm a football fan, support two football clubs, Bradford City, <laughs> 18 months ago that would have got a different response, but that's exactly it, you see, so Bradford City, we're doing really badly, we're in the relegation zone, and that is taking a lot of my attention, I've got to tell you. And then I support Newcastle United, and, and it's the exact same story. Apart from Tuesday night, we beat the champions, and we had a, like a moment of success, and that took too much of my headspace as well. And then there's Brexit. Ah, oh, wow, do I really need to listen to another daily update on nothing? <laughs> but I feel like I do need to listen just in case there's something to hear. Has anyone else started getting those updates on, on their, their phone? If you're an iPhone user, you might be getting an update 
about how your screen time is doing. So a few months back, I got an update that said my, my screen time kind of usage had gone down. Um, so this, is, this was Friday, and well, there you are, two, two hours and three minutes through to about 10-something, 10.18, 46 minutes of social networking, 45 minutes that Apple thinks was productivity, and just six minutes of reading and referencing. Two, over two hours engaged with this thing. Wow. There are worse days, definitely worse days. I don't know whether it's good or bad. Our heart is to engage with God, yet there's so much going on in life. I wonder what God has to say to us today about our priorities and our focus and how to engage with him. Well, we're continuing in this series, The Pursuit of Holiness, and it's my privilege to be able to share with you this week and next week. Really, what I'm hoping for is some applied theology. We've had a great insight to what the Bible says about holiness, but this week and next week, we're looking at that through the lens of two different Bible characters. So today, it's this guy, Isaiah. So in the story of Isaiah, there are two key people. There's Isaiah the prophet. He's chosen by God to speak God's word to the people. And then there's someone else whose name sounds similar, but don't confuse them. There's Uzziah the king. Now, Uzziah the king, he reigned for 52 years. That's kind of nothing compared to our queen, of course. But, but 52 years was a long, long time back in the day. And most of that time, he's a really righteous king. And God blesses his reign until. But one of the saddest verses in the Bible, we read it in 2 Chronicles 26. It says, but after Uzziah became powerful... His pride led to his downfall. And you know what's fascinating as we read is that there's something about the faith and the stumble of Uzziah the king that impacts the faith of the prophet Isaiah. We know the beginning of that passage that I read, it's only when Uzziah dies that Isaiah is able to say, I saw the Lord. A faith affected by the journey of someone else. I grew up in a Christian home, and it was dead easy to just rely on the faith of my parents. They were good people, they made good choices, they gave good advice, dead easy. I'm now married to a godly woman who hears God. Ray, he is God and has great insight. And it would be dead easy just to rely on the faith of my wife. We are in a church. We've got eight leaders in a leadership team. Dead easy, isn't it, in church to rely on the wisdom of 
the leaders. Or as young people, we've, we're blessed, aren't we, with great youth workers in our church. And it's great to get their advice and their input, but it's also possible that we get to rely on their walk with God rather than really journeying for ourselves. I remember the summer's evening when I was 15 years old. And the phone went, and my dad answered the phone. And as he came off the phone, back in that day, there was just the one house phone. Dad came off the phone, and he said, um, Kevin Sue want to come round, and they need to talk to you. Well, Kevin Sue were the youth leaders in our church. They were engaged to be married, and they were a couple that had been leading the youth work for maybe two years. And I remember kind of sitting with them in the front room at my mum and dad's house. They were on the kind of sofa. I was on the chair. And Kev said, we've come to see you tonight because we need to say sorry to you. Because we've started sleeping together and we're now expecting a baby. And we know that we shouldn't have done that before we were married. And so we're here tonight to say that we're sorry and we hope that you can forgive us. Well, I remember exactly how that felt. And I remember the weeks and the days after as I kind of just had to get in a sense, back to basics on who am I following? What's going to determine my walk with God? And the challenge that that is for us, every one of us, to avoid our faith being shipwrecked by the failures or the choices of others, be it church leaders, partners, friends. And that's really at the heart of this story here so easy just to follow those around us or ahead of us. Reminds me a little bit of when I, when I first drove a car in France. It's so weird, isn't it? If you've done that, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. And I remember driving, it was my dad's car, I've got a photograph of um, the white Granada. Wrong side of the road on a country lane at night. What could possibly go wrong? But I came up with a cunning plan. The cunning plan was if I just kind of fixed my eyes on the taillights of the car in front as it winds its way through this country lane on the wrong side of the road in the dark, we'll be fine. And we were fine until the road went to the left and this car carried on onto the bumpiest of bumpy tracks. And he'd obviously slowed down, but I'd not slowed down in my dad's car. Did manage to get back to the main road. Don't know whether I ever told him. I'm sure he'd be very forgiving. The risk is that we uh, live our Christian life through others. And as good as it is to be in fellowship and supported by others, there is an opportunity for each one of us to engage with God for ourselves. So we've got this character, Isaiah. 
And he's a prophet, but he's not perfect. He's not perfect because we read the words in Isaiah 6 verse 5. When coming face to face with God, he says, I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. What was it, I wonder, about his lips or his speech that led him to say that in that moment of seeing God face to face? Well, we, we don't know. We don't know, but theologians have speculated, and I'm going to speculate this morning. Because I think when we read Isaiah, there's a definite change in tone, in focus, as we move from the first five chapters to chapter six. So, let's look back at chapter five, and it'd be great if you could just count the, numbers of, the number of times that Isaiah says, either woe to those or woe to you. You ready? So in verse 8, he says, Woe to you who add house to house. Verse 11, Woe to those who rise early. Verse 18, Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. There's the warning. How many times did you get? I think it's six. I think it's six. And what I think is happening is this. I think he's doing a kind of woe to, woe to you and woe to those and woe to you and woe to those and, and woe to you. And woe to you, and woe to you, and then he comes face to face with God, and suddenly he says, woe to me. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. You see the difference in focus. You see where his attention has gone. So at the heart of this word today, okay, is, is simply this. Seeing God's holiness changes Our focus. Seeing God's holiness changes our focus. Jesus spoke about it, didn't he? Do you remember? He said it's a little bit like the, the, the person who has a plank in their eye. It's such a powerful metaphor. The big plank and yet, he's trying to look past that to point out the speck in the eye of someone else. And he says, first deal with the plank in your own eye. There's a guy who um, sits a few rows in front of us at, um, at Bradford City. 
We're on, in the Midland Road stand, for those that know Valley Parade. And um, about three rows ahead of us, there's a guy who's got to be 18 stone and in his 60s. And if you listen, as, as we do each week, you would imagine that if he were on the pitch, every single shot would be a goal. And every pass would be completed perfectly. And he's up and he's giving it this. He can talk a really good story about what everyone else should be doing. But I just have a suspicion, it's just a vague suspicion, that the standard that he's applying to others is not the standard that he's applying to himself. Seeing God's holiness changes our focus. And I guess what my encouragement to you is today is that, you know, what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of people around us, what God is doing in the world is kind of hidden in plain sight. It's there to be seen if we're looking, if that is our focus, if we're tuning in and looking for what God is doing, it's there to be seen. Let me show you a few things that I've seen before but never noticed. So um, I've got a logo here. Anyone seen this logo before? So FedEx, they do deliveries, don't they? Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure you've all seen this before. I've never, ever seen this before. Between the E and the X, there's an arrow you all, you all, I, knew, I know you knew that. I know you knew it. It's, it's a bit embarrassing for me. But this delivery business has an arrow. It has direction built into the logo. It's been there all along. I didn't know it. Let's have another look at the next one. Baskin Robbins. Who else likes Baskin Robbins ice cream? One or two of us. Anyone know how many flavors there are of Baskin Robbins ice cream? 31. You've all known that for years, haven't you? You've all known that. I didn't know that. There are 31 flavors, and actually there's a 31 in the logo. I can't believe it's always been there. I've never seen it. Uh, We've got one more. Toblerone. So, I think I've always known that, like, Toblerone, it's sort of linked to Switzerland. I've sort of known that, I think. There's a mountain. That's the clue. But I didn't know that, in particular, it's linked to a city called Bern, and the motif of Bern is a bear. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that there was actually a bear in the logo for Toblerone. I'd never, ever seen that before until I saw it in red rather than in white. Things that are hidden in plain sight. I guess that encouragement for us to see what God is doing, to fix our eyes on him. Right into the Colossians, Paul says this in Colossians 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts, 
So your, your passion, set your passion on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. It's an invitation to see God's holiness and to change our focus to him. You know what's interesting about this experience for Isaiah is how quickly worship moves to mission. Worship moves to mission. He sees God. And then very quickly the question is asked in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. I'm struck by the absence of clarifying questions on behalf of Isaiah. I don't know about you, but there's a whole list of things that I would like to know. So you're saying go, but exact, exactly where is that? And, and who else is going? And when you say go, when can I come back? Those are the things that I want to know. Yet, in response to the holiness, the greatness of God, Isaiah is willing to simply say, here am I, send me. I'm all yours. It's all for you. You send me where you want to go, where you want me to go, and when you want me to go. And this story, you know, it points us, it leads us directly to Jesus. Lyndon brilliantly kind of introduced our morning together, just speaking about what it is that God does for us through this picture we have of Isaiah. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. We're, we're so blessed that that is our experience, aren't we? We are so blessed that that is what, what God offers through Jesus every single day that our sin can be taken away, that we can be cleansed. And the invitation that Jesus makes to us today is to take our eyes off of ourselves, to take our eyes off of others, and to focus on him. What does it look like then to say yes to Jesus? I want to tell you about a man called Richard, who I, I met for the first time just four weeks ago. Richard is a successful actor, Shakespearean actor, performed on Broadway and the West End. He's been acting in Shakespeare for many years. He's been on TV. And he was diagnosed with cancer four years ago. 
In fact, four years ago, he was given a 5% chance of living five years. It was really fascinating to meet him. And fascinating to hear him talk about how he's spent those four years. And he's got family and friends, and for sure he's spent time with them. But he's done less and less performance for himself. And interestingly, he was telling me that kind of month after month, he's giving weeks and weeks of his time to people who are training to be church leaders, vicars, and communicate the good news of Jesus. That's what he's choosing to do with his time. And then he said, you know, the thing is, I know I've got 12 months until I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And that's really helped me focus in on what's important. It's interesting that this story of Isaiah needs a death in order for Isaiah to really get his priorities sorted and to focus in on who God is in his life. So I wonder, what is God saying to you today? Seeing God's holiness changes our focus. That's the principle. Will it change your focus today and the rest of this week? What is God saying to you? Maybe as you reflect, you can see that your faith actually is quite dependent on someone else or some other people. I wouldn't want to live the Christian life on my own. Not at all. Not for a moment. But it's really crucial that each of us engages with God for ourselves and grows that relationship with him. What about the distractions? The Bible says all things are permissible. It doesn't mean literally everything is allowed. But it means there's loads of things that are allowed. But it also goes on to say not everything is beneficial. What's the challenge to the way you spend your time? And maybe more importantly, what are the positive choices that you can build into your routine that cut through the distractions? How could you use your smartphone to bring God into your day? Bible reading, Bible listening. Maybe building prayer into your routine as you drive, as you walk. Maybe there's a regular chore that you do that you could just turn into the time that you pray. And when it comes to friends, you know, the thing that I realize is I spend a lot of time with Christian friends, but I don't always talk about the Lord with them. Yeah, I don't always say, what's God saying to you right now? What are you reading? What are you learning? We can be that for each other. Maybe the challenge to your heart today is that there needs to be a death of judging other people. Woe to you, woe to you. 
We can, there's something in the human heart where we're like hardwired for that. It's our sinful nature, that's what it is. And we can bring that to each other in the church. We can bring it to the world as well. And the church over the years has been great at telling the world what it shouldn't be doing. And yes, we need to call that out, but we've also got to allow God's spirit to convict us. Or maybe in seeing God's holiness, the challenge is to that open-ended commitment to go in the way that Isaiah said, here am I, send me. So it might be that's like a call to go like across a country or a continent. But like for most of us, that's going to be the call to go across the street or across the office floor or across the playground or to cross the social divide. Get to know someone that we wouldn't ordinarily get to know. And that stuff is not easy, is it? I, I really sensed God's challenge this year, the turn of the new year. Aware that a couple that just live on our street, uh, the lady is seriously, seriously ill. And I just knew that God was saying to me that I should be trying to build a relationship with her husband. And so I'm having a go at that. And we're making some progress. And my hope is that that relationship is one through which God's grace and his love and his compassion can flow. But I know that I've got to be willing to go. Here am I, send me. So just take a moment now to ask God to prompt your heart. Let's take a moment. What is that one specific thing? That in seeing God's holiness and the change of focus, what is that thing that God is saying to you today? Revelation chapter 1, we read that every eye will see him. I'm really struck that on that day, we will see God with an even greater clarity than Isaiah saw him. And we too will receive that cleansing and forgiveness. But you know, I really believe that our one wish will be that he'd been a bigger focus in our lives. That will be the wish. And right now we've got the opportunity to make the change, to make him the focus in response to his holiness. Let's pray together. Father, we We just want to thank you for your grace.
We thank you that all of this living for you is only possible because of your Holy Spirit in us, Jesus in us. And as we are stirred and prompted to give you more of our attention, we step into the week ahead just utterly reliant on you to help us to make that happen. And as we do, God, I pray that this church would know an even greater measure of the holy God at work in our lives and through our lives to this city and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.